Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. Well, where have we been? Everywhere, nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah, a very brief catch-up here. I mean, we moved from our old apartment into new apartments, and with the state of last year's Canadians, we almost got monotonous, and uh, there, there just wasn't much to even talk about. Yeah, just like a lot of nothing happening with the team, and like, you know, while that's not a good, you know, excuse to stop recording and stuff, I think like everyone, you know, coming off that Stanley Cup run high into a low like that like the season was just brutally boring and like yeah and you could throw a dart at a calendar and i could tell you how the game went yeah every game was the same it was they couldn't score they were getting scored on they were losing the games (laughs) yeah and uh, again plagued with injuries and stuff like that uncertainty about the future with the draft and everything and um yeah so we just you know we took time off i think this is a really good time for us to start up again get involved in the community again yeah especially Um, enough people that actually asked us to bring it back so anyone listening that did that we appreciate it you know yeah. it's weird to think people actually listen yes yeah, it's, it's weird <laughs> to think people listen and also like you know we have a lot of upgrades here both studio wise and also uh with sponsors for the podcast and stuff so uh it's gonna be really fun going forward and um yeah excited to get going again yeah and so the other new idea that we have going forward is not only including more people now that you know the pandemic restrictions are a little lower but um we also have a new style podcast so you know originally during the lockdown there when there was a game every five minutes we kind of had live reactions um now we really have a proper it's going to be bi-weekly podcast so you guys can get a lot of info about what's happened and what's coming but it kind of lets us uh have a little more room too for guests so um you know we'll be in contact through our instagram and things like that for people who want to come on uh, but other than that, it's going to be the same old thing. And, uh, you know, we're just going to take a brief moment here from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the Montreal Movers. Moving can be stressful, exhausting, and expensive. With the Montreal Movers, you'll get the most affordable and stress-free moving day on the market. Rob and I both hired the Movers earlier this year, and we could not have been happier. Visit www.movers.ca for a quote. That's M-O-O-V-E-R-S. If you refer a friend, the movers will even pay you a cut on moving day. And when you choose the movers, moving is made easy, and that's no bull. Okay, so um, we can start with the off season. I mean, it was it was definitely a notable one to say. Yeah, the least. I mean, I think everyone was excited to see you know Kent Kent Hughes and and new management kind mm-hmm. of how they deal with the draft because. You know, I don't know about you, but like I was getting sick of those Bergman drafts and uh, yeah, the we're... unpredictability. You know, not knowing what's going to happen. He kind of like threw this like shroud of like comedy around it, where like he would kind of, you know, almost like entertainment or a, like guest show host would try to like, you know, get people's attention in a certain way and then pivot the other way with like the Cockney draft, um, with Philip Sedina there. Uh, it it was nice to like know that we were going into this draft with like analytics guys. Yeah, it's it just briefly mentioned there the Kotkaniemi Zadina draft. Turns out Quinn Hughes was the right choice. Yeah, <laughs> so he really blew it on that one. Yeah. And uh, I also, you know, I'm I'm glad we're not seeing this kind of oh, there's no centerman on the team. Let's draft every centerman in yeah. the draft. It's they're again going with analytics, going with guys who are producers. Um. That being said, you know, we'll start with draft day. It was in Montreal. We had the first overall pick, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, There was a little bit of a twist. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say it was a, you know, zero to 100 twist where nobody saw this coming, but uh, the Canadians would take Yuri Slavkovsky instead of Shane Wright. Um, we all know that Shane Wright ended up falling to four, and 
we'll kind of talk about him at some point. But, you know, I now looking, you know, three weeks into the season, I think it's clear that, you know, at the very least, Slepkovsky was and more NHL ready. Yeah, I mean, we won't know four years from now, exactly. right? You never know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you just looking at the way Seattle's developing right now with like, you know, six, five, six minutes time on ice, uh, you know, the kids got to play hockey. But, you know, if you look at as of right now, who is the better player? Like, I think you got to go with Slavkovsky, and he's, he is more NHL ready. He's like one of the biggest players in the league. Yeah, top can, 10. Yeah, he's top 10 biggest player in the league. and At 18. You, but also just like the non you know non tangible stuff like height and weight like you could just tell like he's he's a bit more matured yeah. and he's a bit more uh, just ready to play like in front of a crowd like that and I I you know I was one of those guys that was you know I think we should take a centerman to have a Suzuki you know right kind of one two punch mm-hmm. and um, you know so I was a bit surprised I wasn't I wasn't disappointed because like if you look at this guy's stats um, you know he he he's what we need right yeah. and he's he's a guy that can put up goals put up uh assists and just you know work the puck well and he's a big body um yeah he he's in my opinion a, a true power forward yeah because it's hard to come by you know? it's hard to come by and i find with power forwards it's really hard to distinguish whether they're snipers or playmakers mm-hmm. regardless if they're putting up points or not you know i i look at a guy like um blake wheeler who he, he's bigger than slavkovsky that guy is a playmaker he yeah. doesn't have that power game like that but then you think of like a ryan gets in his prime i don't know if he would score like i couldn't tell you off yeah, the top of my know, head yeah. is he a goal scorer is he a playmaker but you know he's clearly a power forward mm-hmm. you know it's like it's the same idea with the josh anderson to a certain degree like he clearly is meant he scores more goals but i couldn't tell you that he's like a goal scorer yeah. you know it's same thing with gallagher if he was a little bigger yeah, like it's, it's usually you things. have like with a player, you have a goal scorer, or playmaker, or you know, insert other type of play, uh, yeah. player type. But like you usually don't have, you know, you know, you have a you have a goal like Caulfield's a goal scorer, right? Exactly. But like you you, it's rare that a player type is defined as like a power forward, right? Exactly. Or as like a two way centerman, right? Yeah. Like, like Sidney Crosby, like Sidney Crosby's like a playmaker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like he's got he's a also high, an elite high exactly. For, exactly. Yeah, but his 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 gameplay of saying like he's a two way center wouldn't imply that he's a playmaker yeah right? that's very like ea sports exactly so like the fact if i told you sydney cross is a playmaker that wouldn't tell you if he's uh, a two-way forward right exactly. but power forward has this like unique kind of mm-hmm. thing where like you know what you're getting and you can't really define it by they do everything but with their big body <laughs> yeah exactly and you know it's just it's just nice to have a guy who like i think we all know like down the pipe is going to be playing with caulfield and suzuki and yeah. he's going to be a big body that can protect caulfield mm-hmm. and uh yeah love the pick yeah. now and so yeah especially you know, in the moment again, there's there's a little bit of shock, but at the same time, yeah, really great pick. Uh, a couple other notable picks from the draft. Twenty uh, sixth overall, I always get this name wrong, but Philip Messar. Uh, it's Slavkovsky's basically his best friend. They're both Slovakians. Um, he's having his own great start. Uh, they they actually signed him, but then send they loaned him to uh, the OHL. I forget which team, but I you know I checked his stats this morning just out of curiosity. He's got eight points in four games. Yeah, goal per game and basically an assist per game. Um, just a good kind of you can tell like he he's just like a hard nose. He's just worker. He but he's he's got talent. Again, it's just it's nice to see we're drafting guys that have potential. You know, it's it's yeah. very rare the last time we drafted someone and they're just having a great year off yeah. the bat. And he's so fast. Like we're gonna talk about him later in the podcast, so I won't go into it much. Just a quick thing on that though, like I I think it's so important, especially with these guys from overseas to like give them a reason to stay loyal to the yes. team right because like if Slavkovsky you know pops off 
and you know he has all this interest from other teams like we need to have a reason even if it's just like having i mean right. I, well it's not just i mean there's a huge reason right yeah. i mean like if he wants to play with his best friend and like we keep them in montreal that's going to generate loyalty to the montreal canadians organization yes. and like that goes a long way during like contract talks and stuff it's, yeah it's very true um so I'm not going to go through each player just because we also do uh, have a bit of a different style of the podcast now with segments, but um, we drafted Owen Beck and Lane Hudson in the second round. Then we had this guy, Vincent's Rohrer, um, Adam Engstrom. Vincennes. Yeah, Vincennes, excuse me. Um, Adam Engstrom, Cedric Guignol. You love to hear those last names as yeah. defensemen, you know? Exactly. Jared Davidson, a goalie, Emmett Croteau, then Pateri Nermi and Miguel Torigny. Um, I'm sure I butchered a lot of those names, but you know, lots of picks, and um, we're eventually gonna get to all these guys. Not today, but a, a good number of them. Uh, so that that was the draft. I mean, there was a lot of later picks like Owen Beck and Lane Hudson that people were really excited about. Um, I think overall the draft went well. Oh, very well. Yeah, I I think that initial shot. I mean, the first round was a bit crazy this year. With I uh, we'll talk about that too, but. Slavkovsky and Messar getting picked, plus the trades that were yeah. made. It was it was a fun draft. To I watch. don't think a lot of people realize how good the draft was this year because I think right after the Slavkovsky pick, people kind of went tunnel vision and didn't watch the rest of the draft. Basically, basically, you know, so. and and it was chaotic. You know, Shane Wright, like we said, fell to fourth. There were some really weird picks yeah. being made. I mean, I always every year make a uh, uh, basically a draft guidebook and like do predictions. The year prior to this one, I think I had like almost a fifty percent like guessing which team would take who. This year, I went one for thirty-two. Yeah, and it was like Logan Cooley or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was chaos. Yeah, so let's jump into notable uh, trades. Yeah, trades. Yeah, this. I mean, like we could define the draft basically by trades as well. I mean, yeah. it was a really exciting day. Yeah, I think uh, you know even before the uh, I forget what day it was exactly, but it was it was very hard to see this one. Shea Weber for Dadnov. Um, this wasn't obviously at the trade deadline, but. The draft day, excuse me, um, but Weber is not playing anymore. It's really you know it's it's. I was a big fan of his like personally even before Montreal got him and you know I know it was a cap dump and Dadanov was a casualty of the cap for Vegas, but it just it's always hard to especially trade your captain away like that. Yeah. Kind of a unceremonious send off, but uh, you know I I hope especially he's after like a final Stanley Cup yeah run it was like a last you know, dance like, that was almost it's like bringing you know bringing the horse out back basically yeah that's what it felt like yeah. um then like you were mentioning going to the draft uh, yeah so um going to the draft so Alex Romanov plus a 2022 fourth uh traded to the Islanders for a 2022 first round pick Which, um how did you feel about that before the next trade was announced. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really liked Romanov and I, mm-hmm. I think he was like really developing, you know, he had a bit of a slow development start, uh, development, uh, at the beginning of his NHL career, just because, um, you could tell like there's a players kind of show nerves in different ways and like mm-hmm. either they're timid, right. Where, or like they overcompensate yeah. and Romanov was that type of player, where, like he kind of overcompensated. So you, he was making a lot of plays early on where it was just like, you know, you do want to play the man. You don't want to play the puck. But he was like really not playing yeah, the puck. He was hitting just playing the man. Yeah, exactly. He was like playing the man to the point where like he was missing the play. But then you know, towards the end, you know, like he was really accelerating his development quickly. And like I was really looking forward to seeing him playing with like you know all these young defensemen we have coming up. But I mean, we all know what we got for him, right? And like I, I think like at the end of the day, uh, do you want to say who we got anyway? 
Yeah, so that and everyone that, should know by now. Yeah, that 2022 first that we acquired was packaged with a 2022 third sent to Chicago for Kirby Doc. Yeah, and so that 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 blunted it for me. Obviously, I knew yeah. I, like right after we knew that we weren't getting a sentiment in the draft. I think everyone was like, "Hey, I mean, what does this mean for the team? Does this mean like we're you know doubling down on on Christian Dvorak and like Chris yeah. Evans or like what are we Are-tanking. doing here?" Yeah, exactly for Bedard or something. But you know, Kirby Doc, I think, is a guy that. You know, his value went way down because of these injuries that he went through. But I always saw a huge upside of him. I just remember him from the World Juniors. Yeah. And I loved the way that and, guy played. And he was a third overall pick. Like, and the size, too. Yeah. You know I mean, like, we, we we're, like I, I like the way we play in the playoffs. We're an extremely physical team. And if we can keep that up with bigger bodies, like, we're going to be lethal. So I just see, like, this guy is coming to Montreal on, like, a, you know, a redemption run. You know what I mean? Basically. Like, he's trying to, like, you know, make his... uh make his make his name again uh and i i'm really excited for him so you know bitter pill to swallow with romanov but we'd have a lot of defensive prospects coming up that are looking you know just uh, just as if not more promising than him so you know i'm more than willing to part with him for doc yeah i and i i think that's a really just good way of looking and it's a smart way it's a younger guy who has a higher ceiling yeah just just solid um that kind of also, that, that kind of, you know, trending towards a new kind of brand for the Canadians continued. I mean, we, we traded Petrie and Paling to Pittsburgh for Matheson and a fourth. Um, again, I think these are all moves where you're, you're just kind of not cleaning house because there's a lot of guys who should be traded that aren't yet. But Petrie and Weber out in the same offseason is massive. I mean, there's a lot of cap that was tied up to them. I think paling, I understand it. It just wasn't working. There's out just here. no slots for him. I yeah, mean, like, you look. It, it just wasn't working out. I mean, you know, we're gonna get into Monahan after, obviously. Yeah. But like, if you look at our centers, like I mean, we got Suzuki, we got Monahan, we got Doc, we got Evans, we got Dvorak. We've got a lot of prospects coming up, like Beck and stuff like that. There's yeah. just there's realistically with the way that he's been developing, you know, like I I do see him getting better than he is currently, and then mm-hmm. I think Pittsburgh's a great system for him to do that with Crosby and stuff like that and Malkin but uh I it's just there's at the end of the day and I think he understood that too is like if he wants to develop he can't be like in and out of the fourth line no exactly you know? yeah, I think it was a good move for both sides and it didn't seem like a bitter anything and Matheson I mean he started the season hurt still hurt but um you know he's got a lot of underlying numbers too that are really really appealing people are surprised I mean like he's one of the best five on five defensemen in the league yeah which is you know it, it's weird to think but yeah no he's he's solid and again it opened up more cap and anyway, like like you just alluded to, the last trade from the off season, like, at least notable trade, was um, Calgary sending Monahan and, and a conditional first for future considerations. <laughs> um, look, that that's the value of money in the NHL right now. I mean, they'd signed Kadri to that big deal. They have uh, Elias Lindholm. Monahan was in their bottom six, making nearly seven million dollars. They needed to get rid of him, and good on Ken Hughes for basically like just leeching yeah that's unbelievable i a lot of people when when um i forget who who tweeted it first but i think it might have been john lou but he was basically saying i'm hearing word that uh uh, monaghan's been traded on Montreal canadians a lot of people are thinking of these packages like army and druin and a a pick for monaghan and a pick then this came out and it was just like literally nothing and that that conditional first is about you know like 10 pages of conditions where it like i i that is just so good to see from a GM. Like I like that they're making all these scenarios, and I understand it's because that first round pick 
already is a conditional first from the deal that they made with Florida, uh, Calgary, I mean, made a deal with Florida. So we're going to see what pick comes with that. But it, it's just, it's so cool to see someone who's not just, well, I tried, you know, yeah, and exactly. it's, it's, you know, we, we had a listener actually uh, message in that said, um, you know, Mark Bergevin basically was saying how hard it was to get a centerman. And then Kent Hughes goes out and gets two in his first off season mm-hmm. for relatively low price. I mean, if you put it together, you, you got Monaghan and Kirby Doc for basically Romanov and uh, and future considerations like yeah. realist and, and a third round pick essentially i think what we're seeing and this isn't to throw shade at mark bergevin because you know he's had his, his run of the his ups and downs he has yeah. ups and downs you know but um you know i i think what we're seeing with kent hughes here and also just management at large is like this is a management that is committed to actually making deals and doing that high-end like meta negotiation yes. where like you know, they're willing to draft those 10-page documents of conditions. Whereas, yeah. like, I think Bergevin had much more of a, and his management staff, had a much more of a, you know, my way or the highway kind yeah. of mentality. And he they kind of played hardball on a lot of things. Yeah, I, I mean, I like, always... we saw that with the Pacioretty, Ryan O'Reilly thing, right? Yeah. I mean, like, we weren't willing to give an inch or the, on that Or deal. that potential uh, Subban deal, or was it not Subban? It was, uh... oh, no, it was oh, Subban with Dreisaitl. Yeah. Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse, and a first, but they wouldn't do it because the first wouldn't come through. I always said, like, Bergevin's kind of negotiating style for the fans of The Office was very similar to Dwight, where he'd be like, uh, I'll give you a fourth-round pick for Sidney Crosby. Three, two, one, do yeah, it, exactly. do it, do it. Yeah. And it just, it was, it, he would I don't kind think, of bully his way into it. I don't, and, and I think basically that gave him a reputation, and people yeah. just didn't want to, you know, go into that, you know, so, yeah. All right, so that's that's it for the trades in the offseason. They had notable signings. We don't have to kind of pick through each of these, but, you know, we had Slavkovsky and Messar both signed ELCs. Uh, Pitlick re-signed is a great move. Two years at 1.1 mil. Primo re-signs for three years under a million, which means they're really letting him develop. Um, Jake Allen re-signed an extension for two years, which I'm going to come back to that in a second. And Kirby Doc was the big one. Four years at just about 3.5 million was... nobody predicted that that's a great contract yeah um i believe it keeps him at uh an rfa status at the end and it's also just it's it's a low cap hit with just like such great return it's a redemption contract literally that's a three-year contract of like four years uh four years sorry of basically like you know we're going to give you time to heal up and we're going to give you time to show us what you can do yeah and um you know i think like at the end of the day that's what he needed Right. Mm-hmm. And and we are just the team that was willing to do it do for it. him. And um yeah. Yeah. The the thing I kinda of mentioned before is Jake Allen signing that two year extension. That was a massive red flag for me, uh, because of what's coming next. Uh that told me a lot about Carey Price. Yeah. And then, you know, just around the beginning of the season they announced he would not play at all this year. Um after playing like two games. Yeah, yeah. It was really hard to to kinda, you know, see Weber go, see Petrie go. Now Price isn't playing. There was kind of rumor that he was going to retire. Now, a month later, we know he's not retiring. He's dealing with a lot of stuff, but... Um, I, I'm, I'm glad, like, you know, for the first time in, in, in literally probably 10 years, he is given kind of the, the sick role of, like, listen, just get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And instead of kind Take of being... Year. You know, this includes not just management, but fans, too, of mm-hmm. just the constant, like, when are you back? When are you back? When are you back? When are you back? And, like, he can finally just 
you know, debate this surgery that, you know, people are recommending or not recommending for him, um, kind of weigh the pros and cons, and then, you know, come back healthy because, you know, age, especially we've seen with goaltending, it doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, like the only thing it tells you about is that an older guy in general will most likely be dealing with more injuries, which is true, but it doesn't really tell you much about their play. And, um, you know, I, I think if we see a carry price that comes back at 75, 80%, um, you know, just in time for playoffs again, I mean, there, there's no goalie in the league, uh, you know, maybe Vasilevsky and Shesterkin, but like a, a playoff carry price is something else. And like, I, I think like, give him the time, let him heal up and then, you know, reevaluate next year, but let's get the spotlight off of him. And I think that's what Caulfield and Suzuki kind of bring to his recovery completely agree with that. but i just i love to see that that fire is not only not burnt out for him but it is like blazing yeah and you he's know, he's not who, done people who kind of get down on him for not being animated and not it's not everyone is like outgoing in that sense you're not gonna have guys who just get fired up the thing is he is he's an absolute killer but that's really what makes him that's, so valuable during cold, the playoffs and he's right. cold-blooded and that's that's the thing is like you have to kind of see that it's like I, I understand it's fun when Gallagher gets in a tussle like if Gallagher gets quiet that's the issue yeah the opposite if Carey Price is getting loud he's off his game and he's, I've never seen I've him. never seen him yeah. get mad one I've seen that like one time where he punched punch, yeah. someone which again that shows such high hockey IQ because he punched I forget who it was I think it was Zucker or something punched him in the ribs because there's a rule about goaltenders using their blocker to hit to the head that would have been a specific like penalty. So he knew to hit him in the bot. Like that's yeah. that's operating on just another dimension. Like I I would not know that. Yeah, and I think you know another part of that press conference we can talk about is like how you know his his kind of downward spiral with with, with substance abuse and stuff mm-hmm. led from that Stanley Cup loss. Like I don't think we as fans looking in. I think sometimes we can kind of get the impression that like oh they gave up they don't care. Like these guys care so much about yeah. winning. They're so competitive that. Um, you know, I don't think we can fully grasp that. So like, you know, he he got spiraled into depression. Yeah. And, and drinking, you know, I mean like it's a serious hit and like, um, I'm just glad he's going to take the time and, uh, I hope like the fan base in general can just be patient with him and, you know, with the way Jake Allen and and Montembeau are playing, I think, I think we'll survive, you know, uh, if we can keep this, you know, 930, 940 per game save percentage up, I think like Carey Price, that'll do even more for him because he's like yeah. at least the team's in good hands yeah he doesn't now. feel pressured to come back either we were saying the fans and the media and the management also by the, the players i'm sure that they don't but you know he doesn't have that weighing responsibility of my my guys are waiting for me yeah and i also i i'm glad he's not playing right now with like without edmondson without matheson yes. like we have a kind of like a very young decor right now that's making a lot of necessary mistakes right yeah. they're making mistakes that are just like you need to make and learn yeah um but i'm just glad it's not like price kind of like wasting his yes a hundred percent so that kind of sums up the off season so we'll, we'll jump right into uh the first week of the year so uh just looking at the weekend review for week one three games uh it's, it's also a lot more digestible than we were talking about in you know in the kind of the preamble there with we don't have a game every night to review it's kind of every other day so three games of the first week we had toronto detroit and washington um the first game First night, four three win against Toronto. Can't just, ask for just more than love that. that. You know, Caulfield scoring twice. You get a goal from Monahan, and then Anderson scoring with less than thirty seconds in the it's game, like fifteen seconds, something like yeah. that. And it's just it's everything you wanted from a start. It's two goals from our you know our potential Rocket Richard future. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the new guy comes in and scores. And, and the then... big question mark from last year, right? I mean, like, exactly. looking at Anderson last year, a lot of people were just like, you know, we look at that contract that we signed Anderson to, and off the get-go, a lot of people were like, wow, that's pretty good. Like, let's yeah. see where this goes. And after last year, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, right? we just, I, you know, we, we invested a lot into that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, just everything you want to see. It's the right kind of emotion, too. You know, it's it's exciting. It's Habs winning with a last-second goal. Just could not ask for more and i i you know we're not going to kind of do play by play anymore but you know anderson had a rough game and he kind of redeemed it jesse and i were saying the entire game like holy crap does anderson look like <laughs> yeah. shit and yeah then, uh, i kept begging him to drop him off the first line and then yeah. he goes and saves the whole game <laughs> yeah so then going to october 14th uh three nothing loss versus detroit i mean like you know those games are kind of expected after really like, high emotional games yeah. against like our rivals um, but that was just a, you know, it, it wasn't a bad game. That's the thing too, right? I mean, no, like we, we, we gave up a the, lot of shots. We gave game. up way too many shots. It was like a complete defensive breakdown. I mean, I think like much like how the Canadians are doing right now, you know, like with a, we're five, four and right now. Like a lot of people are kind of surprised uh, with Detroit, which they shouldn't be. You look at their depth chart and you're like, wow, this is a very like loaded team and they're yeah. really well-rounded. And I think, um, you know, Detroit was just shot out of a cannon. And, like, I don't know. I think they had, like, 45 shots. Something, something. yeah, I, I, something like that. I, I think it's almost exactly. Um, but, yeah, not much to say about that game. Um, then the very next night, October 15th, 3 nothing, uh, sorry, 3-1 loss to Washington. Suzuki, the lone goal scorer. Um, first goal is the captain. Also, the young, that was something from the offseason, making Suzuki captain. That's huge. Yep. Um, yeah, basically, just, again... This was a stronger team playing against a weaker team. There was a lot of kind of... I, I find them a lot more understanding this year of them losing mm-hmm. than last year because of the high versus the low. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with them losing as long as kind of like the trajectory of the team is kind of in line with where I think people need them to be. Like, exactly. You know, if we lose... You know, if we lose a game and Caulfield, Suzuki, uh, and Slavkovsky scored... I mean, like... At the end of the day, this is kind of a development year, mm-hmm. and like anything we do beyond that is kind of a win. But you know, it's nice to see the young guys contributing and like basically the future of the team. Hundred percent. And so, looking at this is a new segment we're introducing. It's going to be player of the week. Um. So for myself, uh, the player of the week one was Jake Allen. Uh, he had seventy shots against, led in only four goals. Um. For those who are you know back working the uh. The goals against uh, empty net goals don't count for goalies. Um, he was a nine forty three save percentage. Uh, you know, to come out of the week one and two and to pick your goalie as player of the week, maybe not the most like obvious right away, but he stood strong on his head. Strong teams, very and, strong, and he teams. stood on his head. Yeah, there was a lot of shots against him. You know, seventy shots in three games. Yeah, that's it's just it's a lot. Uh, and then for me, I had I had to go Cole Caulfield. I mean, like I think Jesse was probably thinking it too, but. I kind of went first there, but 1746 time on ice. So, like, you know, his minutes are already creeping up to, like, you know, primary goal scorer status on a team. 11 shots on goal, two goals, one assist. Point per I mean, game. Point per game, but also just, like, the, the, non, the non-statistics of the guy. Like, he just looks comfortable on the ice. And, like, the, the way he can make room, like, he literally needs no room to take a shot. I mean, yeah. I, it's obviously a function of his size, but he can release the puck with virtually nothing right i mean and it's just incredible to see if you really watch his play and how he takes these shots it's why he's so lethal like the smallest little space you you give him it's done and and i agree i mean he was again the the way i kind of broke it down he was my number two for player of the week um 
11 shots on goal in three games. Yeah, That's, they're giving him the puck. That's, and he's shooting you know, it. Yeah. He is, I find, and it's still going through every week, but he is shooting the puck from everywhere. That yeah. is what you want him to do. He's not making these passes anymore that just look like he's intimidating. He's shooting game. from the side. He's shooting from everywhere. And I think, it, obviously, you know, it's it's him working in the offseason, getting more comfortable to the NHL, but it's bringing in St. Louis. I yeah. mean... I didn't even realize that he was like, I mean, there's always the easy comparison of like, he's a goal scorer and he's short. Um, he was like, that was one of his favorite players. Like he wore number 26 in like as a kid because of Martin St. Louis mm. or Martin, whatever. But that's, Martin. yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Gene, Gene Beliveau. Right. But that is like, that has got to be so cool. Like, like who, who's your favorite player growing up? Oh, growing up. Yeah. I would say Crosby, honestly. Okay, now imagine he is your coach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like it's one of those things where it's, it's surreal. Looking in right now. Yeah, though. exactly. Um, so yeah, that was basically it for week one. Um, All right, I'll, uh, week two in review, yeah. October seventeenth, three two overtime win versus Pittsburgh. Speaking of of Crosby, um, you know goals from Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc on the power play in overtime. I mean, like again, this is just what I was saying. Like yeah. these are the guys that like it. it it's almost like. It, it's literally picture perfect. I mean, it, it's not only is it a win, but even if we lost that game, it's like, look who's on the scoreboard. Yeah. Like, this is the future of the team. This means we're picking right. They're contributing to the play. Yeah. They're leading the team. This is what we need. Yeah. And October 20th, probably so far the f- most fun game to watch. 6-2 win versus Arizona. And again, you've got Anderson, Caulfield, Gallagher scoring. You've got Suzuki on a penalty shot. You've got Monaghan on the empty net. And I left this one for last. But you got Slavkovsky scoring at home in the Bell Center. And a good and, goal. Yeah, I was going to say, not one of these, like, he just dug for the puck. Like, he took it off a turnover in the slot and just beat the goalie. And he had that actually hilarious celebration where the defenseman who was cross-checking him, he just stared at him and was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, you'd love to see that he's, like, like excited, you know? Yeah. And then uh, kind of a rough end to the week. but Yeah, 5-2 loss October 22nd against Dallas. Again, another team that I, you know, I don't think a lot of people uh, really expected to be... Especially with their management issues. Yeah, with management issues and just, like, you know, a lot of stuff happening in the offseason, but a really strong Dallas Stars team. Uh, we lost, uh, yeah, 5-2. We had goals from Hoffman, which, like, again, we needed to see if that guy's not scoring on the ice, he's not doing much. And yeah. then Arbor Jack Eye, which is, you know, that guy is just... Whew. I'm, yeah, so I'm just going to jump Love in him. on... him. I'm going to jump in on that. He was my player of the week, Jack Eye, and... He was a he had a sneaky good week. Uh, he had a golden assist. He was a plus two, five shots on goal, sixteen thirty seven time on ice. Mind you, this is a twenty one year old rookie defenseman who went undrafted not only in the NHL but also in junior. He's basically just worked his way. It's like I that like I like love I, that, I love that. It is my favorite. And then this is the big part. Um, thirteen hits and two blocks. He's the he's still the hitting leader on the team. And uh, one fight. Uh, that oh, was no, against, it wasn't even a fight. That was that like... was against yeah Zach Cassian, who is is known as like one of the tough guys in the NHL, and he ragdolled. It wasn't even a fight. Like he absolutely destroyed him. Yeah. Like it wasn't even funny. It's unbelievable. Like I love having that guy on the team. I don't want him to go anywhere, and I hope that they can. I I my hope for this is because look, he's not a big point scorer, but he is more of a two way defenseman than a shutdown guy. So he he can put some points up lock him up to a just a cheap long-term contract yeah. give him the stability he's earned but just get him on that third pair and just let him have it yeah just let him yeah, have yeah. It. let so him grow we, into it yeah uh, my player of the week was another defenseman Caden Gooley 
another just phenomenal rookie right now. So yeah, two assists. The top line too. Top line, uh, two assists, five shots on goal, twenty two forty three time on ice. So he's rookie. playing. He 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 had like matchups with Crosby. Yeah. He had matchups with Ovechkin. Um, he had five hits, five blocks. He's just playing like he's playing literally like a captain right yeah. now. He is so cool on the ice. Um, he makes a mistake once and that's it. And yeah, I just he'll have an A on his shirt for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. He you could just tell he's a natural born leader. To to go back to what you were saying, good pick by Bergevin. Yeah, very good pick. I I I really love him, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah. Let's jump into week three. Yeah, so week three, three one loss against the uh, struggling Minnesota team, but uh, Caulfield the lone goal scorer. Again, that goal came from just shooting the puck. It's, he it's... he shot that. It went off like three skates and went in. Shoot the puck. Yeah, I, I puck. I'm just I'm wondering you when you look at these games like how many how many of these games people are jumping in like hey this guy's on a tear but he's gonna slow down kind yeah. of like you know maybe the inverse of last season. Um, I I really don't think he's gonna slow down. I mean I had Caulfield. Uh, this year having 30 goals plus or minus five goals so yeah. like 25 to 35 i'm very comfortable shifting that upward to 35 yeah, 35 plus or minus five yeah and i i wouldn't be surprised if he gets over 40 yeah <laughs> honestly know? i mean like he's already at seven yeah then the so. buffalo game yep uh so then october 27th we have a 3-2 win versus buffalo uh gallagher uh caden gooley and josh anderson again so it's nice to see some consistency from both gallagher and anderson and really nice to see gooley's first goal yeah, um, and it was a nice one too, you know, just a hard shot from kind of the upper circle. Again, these guys are scoring goals that look like like goal scoring yeah, goals. If they're not the footage. Yeah, yeah, they're they're intentionally good goals. Yeah. And then one of the most exciting games of the season oh, so far. Oh, easily, especially given the fact this goes underrated. The Habs were down 3-1 in the second period against St. Louis. They end up winning 7-4. to Just a Jordan Bennington breakdown. Yeah, and also... That was know, hard work too. Yeah, we, Suzuki we really scores. Digging. And then Caulfield scores, and then Slavkovsky takes a one-timer on the power play. Unbelievable. Then, then Caulfield scores on the power play, and then Dvorak scores a hat-trick. In a row. With a, yeah, with a net, that's, yeah, a natural hat-trick with an empty netter, obviously, but it's still a hat-trick. Um, uh, just an unbelievable game. And again, like it's the names. Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovsky, Caulfield, <laughs> Dvorak, Dvorak, Dvorak. Yeah. It's like, this is the team that we built going forward, and they're showing up every night. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then player of the week. So to be fair, for week three, um, there was only one option. Yeah. I like genuinely, I I could. It's not that there was no one who played well. Everyone played really well, but one person just stood like, out. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah. by all means, yeah, we, so we have the same one. We have the same one. It's this Jesse and Rob Cole Caulfield. I mean, like you look at this kid's stats. He's got three goals, two assists. Okay, in three games, five points in three games. Okay. 10 shots on goal. He's playing 1640 time on ice and he has a power play goal. Like he's literally everything we needed from him. Yeah. And more. Yeah. You know, cuz he's playing well defensively. Yeah. You know, I, he hasn't been a liability at all. And that's all, I mean? honestly from a pure goal scorer, the most I'm willing to ask of them is just don't be a liability. Yeah, mo- most of them are are liabilities yeah. in in their own zone. I mean, like you there are exceptions like, you know, Stamkos is Pasternak's. Yeah. But then um, look at, like, even, like, the top-tier goal scorers. Ovechkin has never been known no, for his defensive stats. not great defensively. I mean, like, you know... It's not he's, bad, but he's not great. Yeah, he's not great in his own zone. So, like, it's an incredible to have a kid like this. Especially and, as a winger. Yeah, and just... it It's just, it's, you know, I I, I had a lot loss for words for this kid. I mean... Yeah, like, it's, it's... He's... You know, as a whole, the team is fun to watch. So much fun to watch. And And I think that starts with the fact that we have young guys... Who can score? We're playing at a higher pace. I mean, this is all stuff that like Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, 
uh, talked about they're like they're building a team that is going to be exciting and and they are so um speaking of building a team you know we're gonna end each episode with these these prospect highlights and so um there's three because we have three weeks worth um the first we're going to talk about is again philip messar uh he's a right wing and pri- primarily a right winger can also play center right hand shot 510 174 at its draft so prior to uh the draft he played in the slovakian extra liga 37 games played eight goals eight assists 16 points uh this year he's in the ohl like i i mentioned uh four goals four assists and eight games played um he's a he's two-way forward who's stylistically compared to martin nikas which again absolutely phenomenal player mm-hmm. um i think he gets most of that comparison to the fact of how fast he is i was kind of talking about that later um going to the draft he's the number two ranked motor number two ranked uh speed in terms of straight line skating number three overall forward in transition and he was top 10 ranked in terms of his like four-way mobility so great pick uh late first round pick by the Habs. um again we, we touched on the fact that he's kind of uh, you know, not a security blanket for Slavkovsky, but just like kind of like a brother in arms. Yeah, because sure. I I think people are are seeing him as almost like like the Luigi to Slavkovsky's Mario. Mm-hmm. But I I really think this guy, had he been let's say our only first round pick, would have been super exciting already. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally agree. Then we got Owen Beck, uh, who I'm super excited for. Um, you know, he's a centerman, uh, he's 5'11", 191, so, you know, guy that's going to definitely grow into be a, a, at least a 200-pound centerman. Um, in 2021-2022 in the OHL, he had 68 games played, uh, 21 goals, 30 assists, um, and 51 points. And then in 2022-2023, uh, he had uh, 7 goals, um, and he has 10 games played, 7 goals, 7 assists, 14 points. Um, and uh, it's just looking absolutely phenomenal. I mean, can't really ask for more from that in the OHL. Uh, style comparison is a two-way forward, Dylan Larkin. So again, like that doesn't mean it's going to be Dylan Larkin. It just means his style of play is like Dylan Larkin, um, which you know you you do want to see two-way forwards at center. I, I that's just mm-hmm. a personal kind of thing. I, it's a speed again. Yeah, a speed too. You know, so strengths number two ranked uh, two-way forward, top ten ranked problem solving, top ten ranked transition forward. So. Obviously, a really high IQ hockey player, and very exciting to watch. I have a lot of hope for him. Yeah, no, Owen Beck again. That's one of those guys who, even in his preseason games, he just looked good. He he didn't have the best stat line, but he was noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, the, again, great picks. Um, it's hard sometimes when they play in junior and put up a ton of points because it, it the, the the conversion rate's not that high. It's about for you know between the Q, the WHL, and the OHL. It's somewhere between 10 and 15% in terms of like points per game. So, you know, if you're a point per game, you're really, you know, almost like less than a tenth or less than a fifth of a point per game. But it's still just, it's good to see these guys, like we said, continue to play strong after being drafted. And, you know, lastly, this is, this is one where this guy's being referred to as a possible uh, draft day steal more than a lot. It's Lane Hudson. He's a left-hand shot defenseman. He's five foot eight, one fifty-eight. So really, like a pure offensive defenseman style. You know, obviously, you get a lot of comparisons when you're a small defenseman to Tory Krug, Quinn Hughes, um, Adam Fox. Even uh, he gets a Kale McCarr comparison in terms of stylistic. So I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. 
Uh, last year in the U.S. Uh, development program, 63 points in 60 games with 10 goals. Uh, this year, he's actually in the NCAA at Boston University. He's got eight points in seven games, so continuing his just very strong uh, offensive showing. Going to the draft, you know, again, he was a top 10 ranked offensive defenseman and top 10 ranked in terms of his transitional play. So he's not a defensive liability. Where did we take him? Uh, third round, I believe, or late second round. Wow. He was uh, 62 overall, so really at the end of the second round. Wow, nice. Um, just a, a great, he was supposed to go late in the first round. And again, there was a lot of guys who slipped, but um, just again, could be a very, very Happy good pick. That, yeah. yeah. And then... Um, you know, though that's our three prospects for this week. You know, at the time of recording, uh, we have three games coming up this week: November first, third, and fifth. Uh, on the first, we've got Minnesota. They're currently three, four, and one. Like we said, we, last time we played, we lost them. Um, you know, after eight games played, they've got two players who are over a point per game. It's Zuccarello and Kaprizov. We're on a line together. To get together, <laughs> together. Uh, Zuccarello though with twelve points and Kaprizov with eleven in eight games played. Uh. You know, lock them down. That's yeah. it. They they have a strong offensive team with Boldy and you know young guys like Rossi who haven't had the best start. Really struggling defense right now. But and that's goaltending. So like let's you know that's that's where we're really gonna hit them where it hurts. Yeah. The November third, a game I'm really looking forward to versus Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg that's five three and zero right now. So a, a, a Winnipeg team that kind of like us is kind of surprising the league in a, in yeah. a sense. Um, you know Winnipeg's had a lot of internal struggles over the over the off season. A lot of like, you know locker room dynamics that you really do not want to see as a fan yeah and uh so they're point per game leaders Stri- after eight wheeler games. was stripped right yeah yeah, yeah. So, so their captain, their captain. Is stripped i mean josh morrissey has eight points right now so point per game defenseman with guy. no forwards at a point per game yeah. um yeah and then lastly coming up on the fifth we've got vegas absolute hot start they're seven two and oh currently surprising um, too surprising but this kind of shows the kind of play they have they're you know seven wins in nine games and they have no players at a point per game then you kind of take a look and i mean you know eichel marcia so stevenson stone like these guys even carlson are all kind of creeping up on that point per game um actually just checking now because they they actually played a game while we were writing up the stats eichel's now 10 points in 10 games so they've got one guy but hopefully he has a good season yeah he's he's yeah, I he deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you know, those three games, it's gonna be, you know, two teams with a winning record, one team with a losing record that beat us. So it's it's a, gonna be a tough week. But, you know, we've got Kai's coming back to the lineup. Slavkovsky seems to be a lot more comfortable. Um the games are spread out well enough that you can actually yeah, play your night goalies. Between each. And like I'm I swear if Caulfield scores two out of those three games, I'm gonna absolutely go fucking nuts. <laughs> like I swear, because like you keep seeing this guy on the score sheet, and you're just like, okay, now it has to slow down. Right? Yeah. So if he does it again for week four, I'm going to, like, literally yeah, lose I just, my I, shit. I, it will actually have that potential 50-goal scorer yeah. who's on the team to stay. Yeah. He'll be locked up soon. Anyway. We got we to gotta lock him up soon, though. It, we will. Honestly, I don't even see the point of a bridge contract with no. him at this point. I, bridge is going to screw us big time. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if you're using even... Anyone is comparable. It's not even a stylistic comparable. Just offer him the same deal as Suzuki. Yeah. They if they, think of how good Keep that'll them brother be. brother in arms. Yeah. Don't like make one of them shadow the other. Exactly. And again, with these long term contracts, if you, if you, if you, if you lock him down again, it's going to form that loyalty to the team, right? If you bridge him, 
he's going to feel like the organization doesn't fully believe in him. Exactly. Right? Uh, even if they spin it in a way that's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, you can get a bigger contract yeah. after this if you really perform for us. If we lock him down, he's going to look at what we did with Suzuki and be like, you know what, they're really believing in me and they want me to be a Montreal Canadian. And I think that's what we need to do because, like, that Suzuki Caulfield 1-2 is just, whew. Yeah, it's fun to out. watch and I want to watch it for the next decade. Yeah. So we will check in with you guys in the following weeks, but we're happy to be back and, uh, you know, keep an eye out on all of our social medias. We're going to kind of start bringing back a few new things. Uh, we will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.